good afternoon, everybody, and welcome yet again to the Medics Pro podcast. It's so lovely for you to join us. We have a very exciting day today because we have a very special guest. Before I introduce her, I'm just going to say hello to my regular ladies, Gail and Bill. Good afternoon, ladies. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So today we have one of our lovely ANPs who works for us regularly. Her name is, so welcome to our podcast, Officer. Lovely to, to speak to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Very, very welcome. We have so many questions that we want to ask you. And having an AMP and visit our podcast is, is really exciting because we don't have many AMPs that work for Medics Pro. We do have a few, but mainly it's 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 regular RGNs and RMNs. So it's really um, interesting for us to sort of get to know you a little bit more and just sort of hear a bit about your journey and, and how you've come to be an AMP. So to sort of kick it off, I just don't know whether you can just sort of start to talk about your, your journey, basically, when you qualified and what your experience is and how you decided that you wanted to become an advanced nurse practitioner. I've always been somebody that wants more. Okay. So it's my curiosity that's got me to where I am now. Right. So I, I started as an ACA with uh, Medics Pro. I saw the way it was done and I wanted more. Okay. So with that, I went on to do my nursing training. Yep. I qualified. I came back, we registered with Medics Pro, working different shifts, different hospitals, gaining more experience as I went along, and I still wanted more. Okay, when so, did you qualify, Officer? How long ago was that? 2012. Oh, gosh. Okay, so, you know, not a huge length of time ago. It's not like you've been nursing for 25 years or something. You've had quite a very quick um, career progression. Yes, yes. Wanting so, more, yeah. Yeah, so you said you, obviously, where did you train, first of all? I trained with University of Essex. I live in Essex. But the, the thing is, um, I did my nursing as a master's degree. Right. So because I had an initial undergraduate degree in biomedical science. So I, I went to train nursing school doing the master's degree. Right. Okay. And where was your first um, job? Where did you Where did you go from being qualified? I worked for Basildon and Torok University. Right. And did you have when you were working in hospitals? Was there any area that you particularly specialised in, or you particularly preferred working? I worked in the acute medical units, but during agency, you worked everywhere. Right. Okay. And and so you said about wanting more. Can you sort of quantify that a little bit more? What what was it that you wanted was more? Was it more responsibility, more autonomy? What was it that you made you decide that actually you you know you want to go for this type of position? Curiosity in seeing things being done and wanting to learn. How is this done? What, what makes this possible? How, how can I do it myself? So I was curious, very curious in my career. I am still curious. Yeah. So what year did you do your training for to become an AMP? And what was that training? How did it develop? What year did I do my AMP training? 2016. Okay. Yeah, because I was just about three years qualified as a nurse. So... I, just as I was three years, then I went for the specialist practitioner qualification. Mm -hmm. So I did that in 2015, 2016. 
Right. Okay. So that's really quite, in terms of your sort of career progression, that's extremely fast, isn't it? You know, I don't think I've heard of anyone else qualifying, you know, and, and within three years doing AMP training. So that's pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. You've done really, really well. What was your first position as an AMP? Where did you start working? Did you just continue doing agency or did you take paid in a sort of employed position anywhere? I started as an agency nurse. Right, okay. So a locum nurse, yeah. Right, and where do you tend to work? Is there anywhere particularly you prefer? What I normally do, because I, obviously I've got young children or growing yep. children, I should say, mm-hmm. I try not to take myself as, outside of Essex. So. so can you tell me a little bit, obviously, about, you know, your role and what what does a I mean when I say what does a regular day look in the life of an AMP that's probably a crazy thing to ask because we all know that nursing everything changes by the minute but what are the sort of you know common tasks that you have to do and and you know how, how does it how does it look your day at work? A uh, day at work looks like you get to the screens and you have a lot of lists, uh, a lot right. of patients booked in for you. Sometimes you might file bloods. Sometimes you might call patients back, review tasks that's been waiting. And yeah, that's just what the day looks like. Okay. And, and what sort of cases would you say are quite common in terms of what you do? It, it depends on the season. Right. Okay. So it's... Maybe in the winter months, you have all the chest infections. In the summer months, you have the um, yeah, you have the A fever symptoms. But along those, you have other presenting acute or chronic problems that you look and treat. Right. Okay. And in terms of COVID, so obviously COVID has been a, a huge, and we've done quite a few podcasts on COVID over the last year. Um, you if you can sort of almost try and take yourself back to March in 2020 it obviously seems almost like a lifetime ago for all of us now so you're obviously working as an AMP as normal just doing it you know your typical normal days at work and then all of a sudden um you know this pandemic literally hits us it seems almost from nowhere how did that change your working working day what did did, or did it change it at all what sort I mean obviously apart from needing to wear PPE but you know were you seeing different types of patients were you having to do telephone consultations how did it look for you yeah things things did change to telephone consultation yes right Uh, during the pan when the pandemic started so Things had to, you had to be careful on how you do your consultation. You have to look after yourself and at the same time, keeping your patient safe. So triaging a patient first before yeah. you bring the patient in. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, was was there an, an air of nervousness actually bringing, because I think, you know, from the general public's perspective, and we sort of all knew that everyone just seemed to sort of be avoiding their GP practice like the plague over, over the last year. And, you know, most, I mean, I've had a couple of telephone consultations myself, but it has been that, the telephone consultation. There's been a huge amount in the press about the fact that, you know, people aren't getting into their GP surgeries, which obviously isn't the truth because we know you know, from other people that, you know, GPs are still exceptionally busy. Um, but, what, you know, was it was it difficult? Did, did you find patients very nervous if they absolutely necessarily needed to come in? 
did you see a drop in your workload because people just were too worried about sort of reporting anything for fear of needing to come in? I will say there was never, although my clinical practice has reduced, but with my practice now, I will say there was never a, a drop. Right. Patients you saw or spoke to, you might do a telephone triage and tell them to come in because I remember actually speaking to a patient and saying, okay, I think I need to see you face to face. And I was actually for the first time turned down then, which is why I won't forget that experience to say, no, I'm not coming in. You've got to do everything over the phone. But there are some you still have to bring in to say, I I need to see you. I I need to see what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. Did you see any patients with COVID over that period or were they sort of triaged out and signposted to, to the hospital? I, I did because I, I went to, to work in the community respiratory job. So that's where right. the patient diagnosed with COVID actually came in and you were fully PPE'd and you had to see them. Right. Was it, was it a very worrying time during that period? It's, it's a very worrying time, especially for my family. But I, I had to say at a point to my mother, a, a soldier cannot be stopped from going to war. No, so absolutely. this is what I'm trained for and this is what yeah. I have to do. Yeah. That's such a good way of looking at it, actually. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so many services that have needed to continue sort of business as usual. And everyone has, you know, especially in health, had to sacrifice so much in terms of you know, their own fears to just try and put those aside as much as possible. But it's very hard with family because obviously family are hugely protective. And even though you're used to that environment and wanting to work, I can understand how, you know, family members could be, you know, really worried about that. In terms of now, so and I'm very conscious that I'm hogging you completely to myself with questions because we have our my, my clinical nurse manager the, in the sidelines probably wanting to ask you something. But from my perspective, Obviously, we're coming out of the pandemic and and we're in a much better situation than we are now, you know, 12 months ago. What does what does the future of of what you do? Do you think that it's changed at all in terms of, you know, your usual day to day footprint and moving on 18 months? Has anything changed? Are you seeing people with that are, you know, more genuine cases coming to see you rather than the worried well has anything changed at all you know can, can you see a difference in in terms of what you do to 18 months ago now things are getting back to normal things has obviously changed very much in general practice because um, new technology has been developed the the way you do your consultation now it's mm-hmm one thing that I never thought to be part of general practice. So I don't think that will ever go when you're doing a video consultation. Right. Because everything now, has, it's more advanced and it's fitting patients in where some patients absolutely just does not, they don't want to come and see you. Mm-hmm. Yep. They just want to talk to you first mm-hmm. and then only come and see you if they feel it's needed. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a smarter way of working this way? You're still seeing the same patients. You're still giving the same type of care. Mm -hmm. You will never downgrade a care because you're doing a telephone consultation. And if you're doing telephone consultation and having to bring the patients in, so you're rebooking within the space allocated. And it's it's still the same thing. Care still has to be the highest standard it can be. 
Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Ephesa. I'm very conscious of time today because unfortunately, for anyone listening, we genuinely had our first technical hitch and my recording wasn't working and Ephesa is has not got as much time as we'd, we'd like her to have today. And I'm sure as you can hear from this podcast, there's sirens going on and she's actually outside the hospital as we speak doing this recording for us. So thank you so much for, for doing that in the, in the noisy environment. But ladies, Gail, Bill, anything that you'd like to to ask Afasat? Yes, definitely. So thank you, Afasat, for agreeing to come onto our podcast today. So for me, I've, you know, I've been here working for 10 years and I saw that you were, when you started, you were a healthcare assistant and progressing from, you know, becoming a nurse. And then on every two, three years, I saw references come through for you. And it was so great because I saw that progression and in, in a short space of time, you know, within 10 years, I would say you just boomed. And I think you are such an inspiration to other nurses. And in fact, I've got to say, I actually have healthcare assistants or even nurses that come to me and we have a chat and I do talk about you. I don't mention your name, but I do talk about your circumstances. When they feel that they're not progressing, I can give them an example. Look, I have someone I know that's actually progressed. So thank you for that. So it's very inspirational. So my question to you, and I will only ask you one question, um, was how has Medics Pro helped you during these years? And, you know, and even though now you still keep in contact, what is it that you, you, you know, you like about Medics Pro that it's kept you going it's the fact that is the fact that it helped me satisfy my curiosity because um, without medics pro and working in different settings going culture star you know everywhere in Essex you can think of and putting my eyes through to see what I can learn what I can do you know if I was just in one employment I would be stable in just one environment, but with working for agency, I can see different things and I can learn different things. Absolutely. You you do end up going to different areas and 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 working and accumulating that experience. No, that's that's brilliant. Thank you, Afsat. Gail. I'd just like to echo Bill's sentiments, really, Afisat. You are definitely an inspiration to all our healthcare workers. So anybody that's listening today, please listen to Afisat's story. Please, you know, you have led by example. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you, Afisat. And I'm so sorry it's so brief. We'll have to try and get you back on at another time when things are a little less fraught. But thank you. We really appreciate it today. And that is just the nature of our podcast. We we obviously, you know, this this is how it is in healthcare. We just have to sort of um, you know, adjust and adapt to, to things that are going on in real life. So thanks, Afisat. That's lovely. And yeah, we'll be in touch again soon. Thank you. So as we leave Afasat now, and we're just waving goodbye to her, quite a remarkable, um, quite a remarkable career path, you know, to mm. go from being a healthcare assistant to an A&P in such a short space of time is, is pretty amazing, isn't it? Definitely. Like you said earlier, Marianne, it, it's not very often that you hear stories like that. You, you tend to hear people just becoming quite comfortable in their clinical posts, in their yeah. role, 
And they just stay there what for what seems like forever and ever. But, you know, to listen to a story like that and, you know, some of the other AMPs and our specialist nurses, they obviously have something that, like she mentioned, she was curious about everything. She wanted to investigate more and push herself more to learn, not just about the basic nursing skills and, and what we do basically as nurses you know she's got that she's almost got the the brain of a detective hasn't she she just yes. wants to delve deeper and deeper and deeper and find out what you know what literally makes people tick and I think yeah for any any of our clinical staff that are listening today you know she is definitely an inspiration so you know if you think that you've got challenges in front of you if you think you've got barriers ahead um and you don't know which way to go, you know, please contact us. Please come and have a chat. And, you know, if we don't have the answer straight away for you, we will always go and speak to our specialist nurses like to see what direction we can, we can signpost you to. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, as you said, not only has she gone on this journey in remarkably quick time that she's actually done that as an agency nurse sort of locum throughout that whole period as well so she's really pushing the sort of boundaries of what we would consider the norm in terms of her career path it's almost like she has done everything on her terms obviously everything properly but actually she's managed to further her career very quickly get to exactly where she needs to be but have that complete flexibility with her life as she said she's got young children and so work-life balance has obviously been imperative for her but actually managed to fit all of that around by working agency all the time which in itself is pretty remarkable it's not often you actually get to hear of somebody that does that yeah yeah very admirable Mm-hmm. I think also what's interesting is, you know, as she said, that the sort of the footprint of how health is delivered from an AMP's perspective is changing. So obviously the cases are pretty much the same, but in terms of how they deliver that that healthcare seems to be a lot slicker and it's it's just different. You know, it's there's not there wasn't any negativity in how things have changed and, and what she does now. And obviously she's still quite often needs to see people face to face but I presume that access via a video link and and a video call must make it quicker smarter way you know a way of actually seeing patients to start off with yeah Yeah, but I think a lot you know I think a lot of doctors a lot of practitioners they doing the video call is fantastic but I've been speaking to a few doctors recently and they actually miss seeing that patients face to face yeah and they absolutely now that we're going back to some form of normality that we're getting the face to face back so you can actually see your patients and yeah. um, get a good consultation so that's also really good i'm really pleased afsat came i'm so proud of of her honestly since she started working for us she's always been very hard working always going off and coming back so you when you interview nurses sometimes they feel that you know doing agency they feel as though they're at a dead end that 
that they can't progress. But actually, that's all a myth. There's so Absolutely. much you can do. And yes. here at Medics Pro, we want we want you to feel that way. You know, we want nurses to feel that, you know, you can stay with us for a while. And if you have to go back and do some other training and courses and, you know, further career progression, we help you, we support you, and we give you that that chance to do that and come back again and re-register. And, and, and we know you, you're like family. So that's that's really, that's what I like. And Afasat still just keeps in touch. She contacted me a couple of months ago just to see if I'm alive and said, are you all right um, as a result of, low, you know, COVID? And I thought that was really nice. You know, so, so I do, I think it's amazing. I think it's really nice that she's here and I'm glad she came and she spoke to us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We do feel quite proud to be able to show some of our clinical staff and their talents and their specialities, especially it like somebody like Afasat who's gone full circle, starting off as unqualified and, you know, looking where she is now, looking at that position that she's got now. Yeah. So anybody else that's out there who has a story to tell, we are more than happy to have you on. Come and showcase your talents. Let the world know about what you do. Well, not necessarily the world, but wherever this podcast goes. Um, come it goes out to the world, Gail. Everyone yeah. listens to <laughs> us. <laughs> the world. Yeah, anybody, please come be our guest for a little while. Have a good chat. Yeah, we'd love to have you. Yes, and absolutely. And anyone listening, you know, if you want to reach out, if you're interested in, you know, talking to people that have got specific career um, or career pathways you know sometimes you might be maybe qualified three years might be working on a, on a surgical ward and thinking you know I really would like to do ITU I'm not too sure I don't know anybody in ITU we have such a wide breadth of different um professionals that work in so many different areas and we have such great relationships with them all so we can definitely try and signpost you somebody that would be happy to talk to you. You know, we're here to help develop your career and there's so many different ways that we can do that. So please, please do contact us. But also if you'd like to hear from anyone in particular in terms of a certain role, you know, just as we'd like people to come and come in and, and talk to us, you know, on air on our podcast, if you've got suggestions of people that you think would be, be great to, to come on or if there's some, some specific information you'd like to hear or about people's journeys in certain different healthcare settings, then just let us know. We're obviously here for you and we obviously want to provide you with as much interesting feed as we possibly can do. Um, so again, this is quite a brief podcast. I am sorry for all your listeners. It literally was the worst technical hitch that we could possibly have had with, with somebody literally waiting, standing outside. I almost felt like a news reporter then and this poor woman just standing there with sirens going on. But yeah, lovely to talk to her, however brief. And hopefully we'll have a little bit more time with our next special guest, which will be coming up shortly and we will let you know. Thank you, ladies. Always a pleasure. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening especially our colleagues as well. You know, a lot of our colleagues and ex-colleagues do listen to these podcasts. So it's it's really lovely that we have such a wide breadth of people listening to us. Please keep recommending us and subscribe if you can as well. And we look forward to speaking to you next time. Thank you. Bye.